Hello, I'm Stephen Groom. Welcome to Let God Speak. Hebrews makes it clear that the substitutionary death of Jesus is necessary to save us because without shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. This week, we will look at Jesus' role in his sacrifice on the cross, its connection with God's covenant, and we'll also look at the Jewish temple sacrifices, the priesthood of Jesus, and what they all mean for us today. Please join us for this important study. On our panel today, we have Alan Sonta and John Malkovich. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Let us begin our discussion with prayer, shall we? Mm -hmm. Bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you will help us understand the meaning of, of the sacrifices in the Jewish temple services and the connection between Jesus' death on the cross and God's covenant through this panel discussion. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. My first question is to Alan, and uh, it's about the covenants, which, which were agreements, weren't they? And they were not exclusive to Israel and their worship of Yahweh in the ancient Near East. Um, but how serious did these nations take the covenant, Alan? Well, the covenants in those days were very much like, we would say, a major contract in our world today. Probably the biggest contract that most of us uh, are involved in is when we buy a house. And yes. of course, if we break that contract, it can be quite serious. We lose our house. We, we could lose our house. And yes. we take our houses quite seriously, don't we? Mm. Yes. yes. But of course, a contract with God is much, much more serious than that. Yes. And in, in fact, the contract with God, the covenant with God, involved the sacrifice of an animal. Yeah. So it's a matter of life and death. Well, did this include the, the pagan nations who didn't worship Yahweh like Israel? Did they take their covenant seriously? They did. Yes. And uh, even if they didn't worship Yahweh, they often offered sacrifices. That was a common practice. Yes, thank you. Yeah. What is the connection between the Jewish ritual uh, temple sacrifices and the covenant, John? Well, first of all, Stephen, there is a connection. That's very clear. And I thank the Bible, what we read in the Bible, how God is continually teaching us. And through that system, he's trying to teach us something. But all the Jewish temple sacrifices pointed toward the death of Jesus. Mm. You know, and I'd like to read in Hebrews chapter 9, uh, verse 15. This is what the Bible says. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 15. It says, And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance, mm. eternal life. And I like that. The death of Jesus as a sacrifice had the, uh, had the purpose of redeeming from sin those both in the Old Testament and those also in the New Testament and the New Covenant. And so that's an important point there, John, isn't it? The word testament mm. 
mm-hmm. um, can also be translated as covenant. The word is diatheke mm-hmm. in, in Greek. And so here, the Bible, the Old and the New Testament, can also be translated as the Old and New Covenant. Mm. And as we read, if they believed in God's Messiah, then the people of God might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. That is under the Jewish age as well as the Christian age. For us humans, we have the choice to accept God's covenant or reject it. Yes, that's important, isn't it? Yes. We have a choice there. Staying with you, John, uh, for the Israelites... Who initiated the covenant? Was it the people or well, was it God? Stephen, the Bible is very clear. It was the Lord Yahweh, our God. This means that those under the covenant could, under the covenant, could be 100% sure of God's um, promise because God was, has ratified the covenant through the death of Christ. And I want to Hebrew, read Hebrews 6.18. Just come back a little bit. Hebrews 6, 18. And here we read, By the two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. So the important point there is which it was impossible for God to lie. Our God does not lie. And so all the promises in the Bible, we can be sure that he's not going to break them. I'm sure... We've had experiences with uh, bad dealings with people, you know, telling lies. But God is not like that, is he? No. He makes the promise and he always keeps his word, doesn't he? What happened to, um, to the sacrifice when God made a covenant with Abraham, Alan? Well, God told Abraham to cut several animals, put them, lay them on the ground. And uh, he tells us that in Genesis 15, verses 6. To 21. So it's quite a long passage, so we won't read it all. But uh, then God came like a burning torch between the parts, moved along between the, the uh, sections there to show that he would definitely keep his promise. Uh, he made, the promise he made was that he would give the land of Palestine to Abram's descendants. Okay. And, and that promise was, was uh, guaranteed by this sacrifice and this ceremony that he made. And so, so God cutting up the animal and, and doing this detailed ceremony, as you like, it all has meaning, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Speaking of, of the covenant to um, Abraham, we read in Genesis 15, 5, and I'd like to read that. It says that, and he, God, brought him, Abraham, forth and said, look now towards heaven and tell the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to them, uh, to him, so shall your seed be. Um, and verse seven, he said, I am the Lord that brought you out of Ur of the Chaldee to give you this land to inherit it. Here we see that um, God promised uh, Abraham that his offspring would be as the sand of the sea or the stars of heaven. And he also promised him land as an inheritance. Mm -hmm. What did Abraham have to do to accept this offer, Um, John? Well, I would like to read what the Bible says. It says in verse six, you read five and seven. It says, and he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. All he had to do was believe God and act according to faith, to his faith. It's exactly the same for us. There's no difference. And, but for, uh, for me, that sounds too easy. It's like I, I want to do something. I want to climb upstairs or something. Um, 
to, to work my way to salvation. But God says, no, you believe no. me and act accordingly. That's very important. So in, in summary, Alan, um, what does Genesis 15, uh, 6 to 21, just in summary, you don't have to read that, and other verses such as um, Jeremiah 34, 8 to 12, which I believe you'll mention, uh, teach us about the covenant, Alan. Well, Genesis 15, 6 to 21 <clears throat> tells us that God made a solemn covenant that he would give Abraham the land of, Pal Abram the land of Palestine. And he added details as to what was going to happen in the intervening years until that happened. This promise was confirmed by the shedding of blood, just as the shedding of the blood of Christ confirms God's promise of forgiveness to us. This faithfulness contrasts with the promise made by some Jews that we read in Jeremiah 34, 8 to 12. They promised that they would free all their slaves. But then it says that they turned around and took their slaves back again. Yes. This kind of uh, breaking of promises is not what God does. God kept his promise to Abram and Jesus' sacrifice on the cross proves that he keeps his promise to us. And Abraham tried. He saw that his wife, Sarah, was having, wasn't having children and they tried to do um, God's, fulfill God's promises through works, didn't they? But it didn't work out. God said that from your own um, wife, you will have offspring. Isn't that right? It never works out when we try to take over from and think that God isn't going to keep his promise. Yes. Yeah, that's important, isn't it? Yeah. Now let's look a little bit more closely at the different sacrificial offerings um, in the Old Testament Jewish temple services and what they ultimately mean for us today. That's important, isn't it? Very important. And this is found in, in chapters of uh, Leviticus. Let us start with the burnt offerings, um, which was in the outer court of the temple sacrifices. Um, what did they mean, John, as found in Leviticus chapter 1? Well, the burnt offering, as directly translated from the Hebrew, means a holocaust offering, which required the whole bull to be unblemished and to be consumed on the altar. So that bull was to be slaughtered. That's what holocaust That's, means, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, and he was, to be, he was to be consumed on the altar. It represented Jesus, whose life was consumed for us. Our redemption required Jesus' total commitment to us. You'll find that in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 8. And that's how he came down from, voluntary came down from being mm -hmm. God to being a man and sacrificing himself. That's right. Even though he was equal with God, Jesus humbled himself yes. and became a servant. Yeah. That's, that's very important because, you know, what is God trying to teach us? You know, yes. we are all subject to God. Subjected. And what else does that teach us? Are we supposed to copy that somehow? Yes, we are. Jesus yeah. is our example. He's yeah. our example too. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. Next comes Leviticus 2 and the grain offerings. What can we learn from that, Alan? Well, the grain offerings in Leviticus 2 represent our gratitude for all the blessings that God gives to us in providing for our needs, our food and so on. These sacrifices or offerings, I should say, also represent Jesus, the bread of life. Over there in the book of John, chapter 6 and verse 35, we read, And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. Mm. And so it is that uh, those grain offerings they made in those days pointed forward to the fact that 
the ultimate bread of life is Jesus himself and the sacrifice that he made for us. And so these feasts uh, were like, or the grain offering was a constant reminder of a saviour to come? or a It's a constant reminder of the fact that God was providing their needs on a daily basis yeah. and also that ultimately he's going to provide our spiritual needs. Oh, year, year by year, we have a harvest, don't we? Wow, that's, yeah. that's great. Thank you. And, and next comes the uh, peace offerings in, in Leviticus 3, John. Well, the peace offering or the fellowship offering implied a communal meal with friends and family to celebrate all that God had provided for them. This is what we've been talking about. It represented Christ whose sacrifice provided peace for us. And I just want to read in um, Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, the Bible says, Therefore, being justified by faith, what do we have? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's the only way. We can only have peace through the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and does this peace mean that we'll have peace in the world? Will our life be free of trouble, John? No, it does not. It means so we have peace in our hearts. In our heart. Yeah. So outwardly, we may have problems and, and troubles, but inwardly, our peace is? Inside. And with God, isn't it? Yeah. That's why the peace that God gives is, is beyond anyone's comprehension. Why can these people be happy? Yes. Why can these Christians be happy even though they're going to be, you know, crucified, not crucified, but burnt at the stakes. How can they be happy? Yes. Because of that relationship that they have with Jesus Christ. And this is a very important lesson, isn't it? So yeah. even though Jesus was taken to the cross and, and dealt unjustly, hmm. he had inner peace because he was right with God, isn't hmm. it? Next comes the sin offering, John uh, Alan. Well, it was by the sin offering that... Uh, the forgiveness was provided for unintentional sins by the people. And uh, that's in Leviticus 4, verses 1 to 5. And in verse 13, it also reminds us that the leaders who sinned unintentionally were to bring the offering. This sacrifice emphasized the role of blood, which represented the life of the animal in providing atonement and forgiveness for sin. It pointed forward to the blood of Jesus, which makes us right with God again and redeems us, as mentioned in Matthew 26, 28, Romans 3, 25 and Hebrews 9, 14. Thank you. And that was in Leviticus chapter 4, wasn't it? And next yes. we go to Leviticus chapter 5, John, mm -hmm. and that has to deal with? The guilt offering. The guilt offering. Can you tell us about that? Well, the guilt offering provided forgiveness in cases where restitution was possible. OK, so you get that in your mind. It tells us that God's forgiveness does not free us from the responsibility to provide restitution or compensation. That's another way of putting it. You know, where possible to those whom we have wronged. This is people, other people. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So we've not just severed our relationship with God through sin, but also other people. Yeah. And wherever possible, we should make restitution. And compensation. I like that. So there's a horizontal um, aspect and the, the vertical aspect with God. That's Thank right. you. And what do the, these different offerings um, have to tell us about Jesus' sacrifice and salvation, Alan, in a summary? Well, the offerings of the Old Testament teach us that we need to look to Jesus uh, as the perfect sacrifice. And of course, that's the whole point of of Paul's discussion here in Hebrews. And that is he's saying Jesus is, is better than the 
old sacrifices in the past. And so we have to accept, uh, by those sacrifices, we show that we accept what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And in doing so, uh, is doing for us now as our high priest. Because it, and we need to share the blessing with others. And we've got to live lives to show that we are being changed by his spirit in our own lives. Mm. So the sacrifice of Jesus uh, really points right through to his return because we, we are to continue to apply that sacrifice in our own lives until Jesus comes. Okay, so these sacrifices had a teaching value, did they, to our salvational um, aspect? Very much so, yes. Very much so. Now, John, was there any um, problems or issues in the sanctuary services or the Levitical priesthood that that, uh, Paul mentions in the book of Hebrews? Yes, there was, Stephen. The Levitical priests were ordinary men and women, not women, but men Men. like us, okay? And they, they all would die. And there was many of them, wasn't there? That's right. Yeah. And you can read about that in seven, Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 23. They also had to continually offer up sacrifices for their own sins as well as the people's. And I want to read to you Hebrews seven twenty-seven. The Bible says, Who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices first who or is this? Who, who's the, is the subject? This is the, sub, the, the, the priest, the high the priest. Oh, this is talking about Jesus, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. To offer up sacrifices first for his own sins and then for his people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself. I want to read that again. It says, who needeth not daily as those high priests. Because we're just saying so it's comparing here, Jesus, isn't it? That's the right. The subject is Jesus. That's right. So we can see that... Um, that was required. In Hebrews 9, 9, it says that various sacrificial offerings were inadequate to uh, alleviate the feelings of guilt and bring peace with God in the person who bought the sacrifice. Mm. So, you know, they, they needed to offer up sacrifices for their sins too. These, these were men just like you and I. So the earthly priesthood, which were the children of Aaron in Leviticus, the, the tribe of Levi, yep. they had an imperfect priesthood because there was many in number They sinned, they had to give sacrifices, um, whereas Jesus didn't. He was one person, Hmm. and so they all were doing the job in fulfilment of Jesus. Is that right? Uh, Jesus only had to offer one sacrifice, and that was himself. Forever, yeah. Indeed, by the second uh, temple period, their understanding of the temple sacrifices had gone off wayward because um, the majority of the Jews depended upon the meticulous performance of the Jewish temple services to be accepted with God. But Paul says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 4, he said that it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats, that's the sacrifices, to take away sins. If this is so, um, could you point out, Alan, what was the purpose of the sacrificial system? Well, the whole sacrificial system was like a, a drama intended to teach about the plan of salvation. And uh, Paul made it clear that uh, when he compared the earthly high priest with Jesus as our heavenly high priest. And like any teaching drama, not everything is exactly the same in the drama as, as, is, as in reality. And uh, for example, the, uh, the priests in, in uh, the 
sacrificial system died and so they were replaced. Where John's already mentioned that. Yes, whereas Christ lives forever as our high priest. And in fact, uh, in Hebrews chapter 7 and verses uh, 23 to 25, I read this. And there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. But he, because he continued forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he ever lives to make intercession for them. Mm. And so, that, that. so that's the um, uh, difference between the, those priests and Jesus as what, the what high does, priest. Um, you mentioned intercession, Alan. What, what does intercession mean for those of us who, who don't understand it? Well, intercession means to go between God and man. As like a mediator. A mediator, yes. Mm. Uh, in other words, to, to make possible the forgiveness that is available so that God can accept Jesus' righteousness on our behalf. So, so when I ask for forgiveness of a sin, Jesus mixes it with his sacrifice to make it, make it acceptable to God? Is, it, is that yes, how it goes? Yes, that would be right. Mm. And also, uh, Paul goes on in Hebrews 10, verses 1 to 4, to um, uh, where are we here? He says that uh, the law was a shadow of the good things to come. So this, this uh, drama is like a shadow pointing okay. forward to, to what Jesus is doing for us. And, and a shadow is a very pale reflection of the real thing, isn't it? Well, if the That's light's right. behind you, the shadow goes before you. Yes, mm. okay. And it says that uh, our high priest has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Those sacrifices they made couldn't perfect anybody, but the sacrifice of Jesus perfects us. And Paul says uh, there that uh, Jesus put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And so it's possible that if you could be partaking of these um, sacrifices in the Old Testament and completely miss the point of them, is that right? If and, you don't see the... And that's indeed what happened. That's what happened. That's what happened. And, that, and by the time Jesus came, the one who was the fulfillment of the sacrifice, they didn't even recognize They missed him. it completely. Totally. So the whole system pointed forward to Jesus but they didn't recognize him when he came. Is that's that, right. And that's why he went in and tried to cleanse the temple of the uh, two times, didn't he? Yes, of that's the right. Sinners in the and temple. they thought they could do it themselves too. Yes. Mm-hmm. They didn't need the Messiah. Yeah. Now, um, I just want to go to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10. It says that by which we all are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. And this is saying how his sacrifice is better. Once and for all. What's the implications of being once for all people, um, John? Well, as we already mentioned, the sacrifices of the Levite, Levitical priests were not effective, but merely pointed toward Jesus' perfect offering upon the cross. His sacrifice upon the cross was not just for the Jews, but for all who would accept Jesus' sacrifice on their behalf. And you you read verse 10, but I want to read uh, again by the which we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And verse 14, it goes on to say, um, for by one offering we have perfected forever them that are are sanctified. You see, uh, they will find that Jesus' sacrifice cleanses us and consecrates us so that we can approach God with confidence, 
We can serve him as, in, as a, a royal priesthood. And finally, Jesus' sacrifice also provides nourishment for our spiritual life. It provides us an example that we need to observe and follow. Jesus Thank is you. the example. Yeah. Thus, Hebrew invites us to fix our eyes upon Jesus, especially the events of the cross, and follow his lead. Oh, thanks for that, John. And, and the last couple of questions, we've been looking at how Jesus' sacrifice is better, Jesus' priesthood is better. In summary, um, Alan, um, in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 23, once again, he, uh, Paul compares um, the patterns in heaven should be purified um, with these, the animals, but in heavenly things, were purified with better sacrifices than these. That's with the blood of Christ. Um, so could you summarize exactly how Christ's sacrifice and priesthood is better than the Aaronic priesthood? Yes. This the, is an important point. That's why we're It is, it. because that's whole, Paul's whole point here is that Jesus was better than the priests in the Old Testament system. Yes. The first, uh, there are three ways in which Jesus' sacrifice is better. The first is that he lived forever. He was immortal whereas those priests died and they were replaced. Jesus lives forever. So that's the first one. The second thing is that God appointed him by a special oath process. I read in uh, Hebrews chapter 7 and verse uh, 20, 21. Uh, 21. The Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. So that's the second way in which Jesus was better. He, was, he wasn't just a inherited the job like yes. the priests did. He was ordained, he was, was he? God made a special oath to appoint him to that work. And the third reason why he's better is that those priests had to offer sacrifices for their own sins, but Jesus never sinned. So, so, so they, they were morally imperfect, whereas Jesus, Jesus was perfect. Morally perfect. Yeah, that's right. So that's three ways in which Jesus was better. Oh, thank you. Thanks for that. Um, now let's focus on God's system of the forgiveness of sins, mm -hmm. um, which can be summarized in two main phases. John, I'll let you tell us about the first phase. Well, the whole sanctuary service teaches substitutionary atonement for God's people. That's you and me as well, for all of us. First, as in the daily administration of the priests in the sanctuary service, the person who sinned had to bring an unblemished lamb before the, uh, the, uh, the altar and confess their sins upon it, sacrifice it, and then the blood was taken into the holy place. Yes. And these, this teaches that Jesus removes the sins from those who confess their sins to him and places them in the heavenly sanctuary, which becomes defiled. And one day, one day, God will take those sins that we've confessed and put them on Satan, the scape, That's the right. uh, Azazel, and it will go out and he'll suffer for those. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for your participation. That's all we have time for. In the light of Calvary, the glory shining in the face of Jesus is the glory of self-sacrificing love that seeks not its own and is meek and lowly, who gave his life on Calvary for your sins and mine on our behalf, so that we may be able to spend eternity with him. Because of this, should we not respond together with Paul in saying, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. We are glad you were able to join us today on Let God Speak. All our past programs 
can be viewed on our website 3abnaustralia.org.au. Look for teacher's notes if you can. Uh, you can email us on lgs3abnaustralia.org.au. God bless. Thank you. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.